CGM 99.1 FM programming is hosted almost exclusively by community volunteers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are that of the host and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of CJAM FM. For more information and resources, visit our website at cjam.ca. Hi, I'm Samantha, a past guest on CJAM's HandyLink. You're listening to HandyLink on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching high ground in Windsor, Detroit. Sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA Windsor On on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. In this segment of our show, Jess Lewis will be giving us an update on her Paralympic training efforts. Tell me a little bit about uh, your latest training efforts. Uh, so I competed in Dubai in February, um, which was the first race of the season for me, uh, which was always uh, filled with a lot of nerves, but um, it was a great experience, um, great way to know kind of where I am going into the season. Um, and then um, I just got back from a three-week training camp in Florida, um, I was very fortunate that the uh, Canadian team let me tag along with them, um, so that was a lot of fun to be out on a track in the sunshine and get some uh, trail sessions in as well. So, do you find when you travel that uh, the communities are generally geared to accessibility, or uh, do you have to make some adaptations depending where you train? Um, no, I think um, overall it's pretty great um, when we go to these places. Um, I think we also kind of do a little bit more research into, you know, which hotels or um, houses would be accessible um, and just kind of make it as smooth as possible. So what was the experience like uh, traveling with a team of uh, similar ability to athletes and uh, watching them uh, develop and do their practices? Oh, it's, it's absolutely amazing um, to be able to travel with such a big team, um, just because for me, coming from Bermuda, uh, currently I'm the only one that's in para-athletics, um, so any chance I get to be with other athletes in the same sport is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the first part of, of the camp, because there was two separate camps, um, was also with some um, able-bodied athletes as well, so it's definitely awesome to kind of hear a little bit more of their stories and their experiences of, of competing for Canada uh, and then for us to 
kind of talk about you know our experiences being on the parasite. So the last time uh, you were on the show, you mentioned you were getting ready for the next Paralympic Games. So, so what steps have you taken in that direction? Uh, yeah, so the next games will be um, in August, September uh, next year. Um, so this year we're uh, really focusing on two major competitions that um, can provide an opportunity to qualify for uh, the Paralympic Games. Um, so the first one is World Championships, which will be in Paris in July. Um, and then uh, Parapan-American Games, which will be in Chile in November. Um, so those are kind of the big races that we're targeting this year and hope to be peaking at those times. So must be kind of amazing getting a chance to see so many different uh, perspectives on accessibility and so many different places uh, being part of such a great team. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, everywhere has, um, you know, totally different uh, experiences and cultures and that kind of thing. So it's really cool to to have those opportunities to travel and, and to see that. And, um, you know, even maybe just to leave a little bit of a uh, legacy where you go and, and kind of be an advocate for the changes that maybe do need to be made moving forward for the, those countries too. So in that sense, uh, for some of the spectators, seeing someone competing in such a cool and relatable way, it's got to be an eye-opening experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know if I that. <laughs> no, but it definitely is, is awesome for them to kind of get an eye-opener into the world of Beresford. And, you know, I think when I first started, um, a lot of people didn't really realize that I had a racing chair that was separate to my day chair. Um, so I think that's kind of a really big thing that is an eye-opener as well as, you know, we do get up to some pretty fast speeds. Um, and kind of in that way, it's an eye-opener as well. That's the thing about disability sport. It's just as uh, intense, if not more so, than uh, the able-bodied equivalent. Not sure everyone recognizes that right offhand, but actually seeing it or being a part of it uh, can very quickly change that perspective, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when I, I talk to people about, you know, training six days a week, they're like, oh, wow, like, we didn't really expect that that was part of it, and, um, you know, that's definitely a great way to bring more awareness of Parasport and, and, you know, the hard work that does go into it. So, in your recent travels, has there been anything, any success that stands out for you? Uh, yes, in Dubai, um, I had a little bit of a slow start, um, just getting used to my new racing chair. Um, in a race format, um, and but I ended that with a personal best time in the 400 meter, um, nice. so I was very excited about that. So we kind of know that we're heading in the right direction, um, and you know it's still early in the year, um, so I'm I'm definitely a little bit more confident in, in the racing chair um, and kind of the changes that we've made um, moving forward. So from an athlete's standpoint, when you set a personal best, does that become the new standard? say, this is what I've done at the low end, let's see how much farther I can push this. Yep. I mean, you're always striving to um, you know, better yourself each and every time you're hitting the track. Um, and it's definitely a great confidence boost, um, you know, going into the season, knowing that, hey, I can still go a little bit faster. 
um, and you know, I'm looking forward to um, trying to get you know faster times um, in my other events as well this season. So, what's the ultimate goal? If uh, if you had a chance to achieve at any level you wanted to, what would you want to do? Uh, well, the definitely the ultimate goal is to make the podium at a Paralympic Games, um, but I kind of try not to. Um, focus on that solely and just focus on the work that needs to be done in order to get there um, and just take it kind of one competition at a time um, and, you know, make sure that I'm uh, making those changes that I need in order to, um, you know, stay competitive and stay healthy in the sport. like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. In this segment of our show, Jeff Thiessen will be giving us an update on his parasport work. Terrific. So what's the latest with uh, your parasport work? Yeah, we've, uh, as always, Cam, we have lots on the go. Uh, a big project right now that we're, we're leaning into is what we're calling the Niagara Parasport Festival. Uh, we did one in, in 2019 at the beginning of... Uh, so Trillium, Ontario Trillium Foundation funding uh, for our, our work in the Niagara region. And it's culminating now with, with another a festival. So it's a two-day event. It's in uh, Font Hill, which is kind of the, the, uh, the heart of, of the Niagara region. It's two days. The first day is what we're calling Education Day. And it's exclusively for secondary students, high school students, teachers, uh, teacher's assistants, and we've got a, a great lineup of uh, keynotes, uh, workshops, and probably the highlight for most of the kids will be uh, what we call our sport arena, our sport demo arena. And we'll have about 20 different uh, adaptive sport activities uh, being hosted by those with expertise at, in them from uh, across the province, really, and also locally here uh in the region. So you name it, you, you and I have talked about wheelchair basketball, that will be there, sitting volleyball, bocce, uh, rowing demonstrations, uh, on it goes. And just some interesting ones too, like circus arts. There are a couple of programs here in Niagara that welcome um, uh, folks with disabilities and they, uh, they have an adaptive, uh, uh, I guess you could say training, uh, adaptive program. So, so that's great. So that for bringing, um, and the second day is for the community. So it's general public, and also a, a focus on municipal leaders. So we've got mayors, uh, we have uh, parks and rec managers, we have seasonal staff, students that uh, are working in camps and, and other kind of activities and programs for the twelve different municipalities. So yeah, it'll be a, a, a full couple of, of days, and uh, we're we're really excited about it. We always looked at the work out, out here in Niagara as creating, I hate to say blueprint, because uh, that doesn't necessarily overlay or scale to every region of the province, but we've learned a lot of things, you know, good, bad, and indifferent in our, in our time working here, and, and I think the, uh, those are great things to share for other municipalities across the province to, to learn from and how to start a league. Talked about the Niagara Sledge Hockey League uh, in the past that we've we've created. Uh, how to engage municipalities? Uh, how to put on a festival? So exciting stuff right now. So, 
I'm thinking that, uh, especially for any smaller municipalities, having people come together from different regions might be some people with disabilities' first real exposure to the world of parasport and seeing for the very first time that there is an option for them. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, you know, there's a, a layer to that question that is important to us. So these 20 different sports or activities that, that we're showcasing, in, in the past, different what we call triad or tri-meet um, sessions have there hasn't always been a pathway for people that come and participate in those in their community to pursue. And that's a caveat for anyone that's been invited is that there, there has to be an opportunity for someone to pursue that sport or activity right here in, in the region. You know, we, we talk about, you know, we don't want to dangle a carrot, get somebody excited about sledge hockey, for example, when sledge hockey doesn't exist which it does, but just using that as an example. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly opening eyes and, and minds to uh, what's possible, what's available, and, and that's the key for us, too, what's available for you to, to do. So I take it uh, the festival itself would allow for uh, potentially family members of people with disabilities to attend and maybe learn and bring the information back. Someone... Uh, first dealing with, uh, with an injury, for example, and hesitant to get out in the community, families can still attend, gather some info, I'd imagine. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's a big part of it, and we're working through the disability organizations in the region, uh, enlisting their help to, to share the news that uh, the festival is, is happening with, with their memberships. And it goes beyond that, too. I mean, families are... are very important in being those information gatekeepers, you might say, but also occupational therapists, recreational therapists, PTs, um, you know, the health, the healthcare industry, uh, or, or profession, BSWs, prosthetists, it's me as an amputee, or, you know, I can learn from, from my prosthetist what, uh, what's available. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's about connectivity, connecting, uh, different sectors that should be working together. We, we hope with the, with the festival there's that information to share and, and, and to refer and, uh, and connect. So do you see this as uh, a long-term project, something you'll want to do year to year to keep people engaged? Yes. Um, we don't, with, with our grant wrapping up here in Niagara, we have for the last year or so talked about what's the, the legacy or the sustainability. You know, we want, don't want to pull stakes on the tents and, uh, and, and roll out of the region. We still want to be that go-to here uh, as a source for expertise, uh, for lived experience, resources. So, yeah, we'll, we will remain that here in the region. But as I talked about that scaling of the festival, now we're have our sights set on, on other regions that uh, could benefit from what we've learned and, and come and do something like this in, in other parts of the province. So that'll be the, the, the true legacy of, of this festival is that it, uh, it, uh, it, it I don't want to say travel and roadshow, but it, uh, it, it will have application uh, in other communities that need it for sure. So I'd imagine that uh, 
this being the first one since since COVID kind of ended and the world getting back to quote-unquote normal, uh, people would be eager to get out and uh, just be a part of something like this. Yeah, I really hope so. <laughs> we'll see in a month. It's uh, May 31st and June 1st. Um, but the, the response that we've received to date is, is really encouraging. Um, schools are bringing uh, groups of students from 30 or 40 to 120. Um, so there's that, and that's an excellent learning opportunity for, for those students. Uh, on the inclusion side, diversity for sure. Um, and, and municipalities too. So they are all bringing staff to, to participate in this. And we're going to make it fun for them too. There's some fun and friendly activity challenges. So they'll get a chance to try uh, city volleyball and wheelchair basketball and, and some others. So, well, uh, yeah, you know, when you, you host a party, you, you always worry a little bit of who's coming. But uh, we, we, I think we have those bases covered with a, a, a pretty robust promotional campaign launching next week, actually. Like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. That was a pleasure, Cam. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks. Handy Link will be right back after these commercial messages, so stay tuned. Blood donors are needed now as much as ever. If you would like to help meet the needs of patients across Canada, please consider booking an appointment by calling 1-800-2-DONATE. That is 1-800-236-6283 or by visiting blood.ca or through the Give Blood app. The Windsor Blood Donation Center location is at 3909 Grand Maris Road East. Make a difference with the Canadian Blood Services. Welcome back to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA Windsor On on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Earlier in our show, we heard a little bit about Jess Lewis's latest Paralympic training, and Jeff Thiessen told us a little bit at an upcoming Parasport Festival. In this segment of our show, Dave Harshaw will be giving us an update on the Tetra Society. So what's the latest with your work with Tetra? Pardon me? What's the latest? Yes. Um, I did uh, totally voice control at home. Anything that you would touch with your hands, you could use your voice for. Right down to TV remotes, and I had, I had a sensor to his chair so the system knew where he was. It would open the door for him when he went up to it. Um, it would turn lights on in the bathroom when he went into the bathroom. And he could do fans and televisions and kitchen lights and all that stuff. So, what were some of the challenges in creating this fully accessible home? Mostly programming. Like programming the voice responses took me almost three weeks and uh, the guy couldn't use his hands at all so um, we got it all done then I went back to his house later and I asked him well do you really use all this stuff and he went oh yeah he used it all he could leave his apartment on its own 
he decided to ask for a worker to come and hold his door open and not anymore, and now it's open for him. So that was my favorite region one. Um, and I, I did two of those doors. I did somebody that had a talk box. I had to program the talk box to open the front door. And that also was successful. So, in that sense, uh, I'm guessing that it's programmed to their specific voice, so uh, not just anyone could make use of it. Right, you have to make a secret word for your door. So you say, turn on the, whatever your secret word is, it might be, turn on the orange tree, and the door will open. So it was, it was hard to program, and then hard to get him to use it, because he didn't know how to use it. So I gave him lessons on how to use it, and once he got it, he got it. He was good. So, do you find that uh, when Tetra creates something like this, it's creating a sense of greater dignity and uh, self-sufficiency for those? Uh, I have a little stronger feelings about that than, than what you just said. My feeling is that if you put somebody in an apartment and they cannot go through their own door on their own, there's a problem because could could she open her door on her own? She could just leave if there was a fire or something going on. So, what my goal is is to try and do as many apartments as I, as I can for the people that can't use the remotes. So, how does Tetra go about reaching out to those who might need their services? Just on the Tetra website. Uh, um, just go to the Tetra website. That's just society.org, and then um, it's usually word of mouth. Like, I know a lot of people that a lot of other coordinators are connected with therapists and stuff. So it's mainly just through projects that we've done. So that's the biggest thing. Mostly the therapists. So, you know. so what are some of the advantages of having a fully automated home, for example? You don't need to use your hands, just your voice. If you fell out of bed, you could still open your door. You wouldn't need a remote. Um, <laughs> excuse me, the one that, the one gentleman that couldn't use his hands, it was an advantage for him because he could do, he could now do everything. You know, and there's a lot of people that just can't deal with a lot of that switches and stuff. So, we added switch, like smart switches to normal places where there's normal light switches. And it made them way more easier to, to use. Like one person couldn't even turn their kitchen light on. They couldn't reach the switch. Slide so just to bring everything in closer and make it equal so that they can use it is, is my goal. So when it comes to systems like these, do you ever uh, get called in? If someone has a concern, something's not working right, or they need uh, a little more clarification, do you keep in contact with uh, those you support? Of course, they can always call me. I always leave them with a card and say, any issues or problems, just call me. And then I'll go out there and make sure that it's still working properly, or maybe it needs to be tweaked a little bit. But so far, I haven't had that. So far, everyone I did the smart stuff for seems to use it and use it well. I also make like drop-on tables for your power chairs and cup holders and pretty much whatever you can think of that you can't buy. I can usually make. So, 
you have any projects on the horizon? Something uh, you're working on or would like to develop? I have all kinds of have ground bars for a kid. Um, I have a ride on toy that needs to be modified for a younger, younger child. Um, geez, there's a bunch. I've got ten on the go right now. And I have two people, so it's it's tough. I did, I, I did a lot of cup holders. Like there's one of them on the go too. Um, there's another one for one of those really nice tables that you can put on, put your laptop in your lap and mouse and stuff. Um, as for smart stuff right now, there's nothing smart, but that doesn't matter either. Either way, like I don't mind doing the cup holders and the tables and all that stuff. So. What types of disabilities and accommodation needs do you most commonly see in your design efforts? Um, usually MS. I do stuff for people with MS because they get tired out really easy. And uh, a lot of people with, with worse CP, like class 1s, I see a lot of that because there's a lot they can't do. So anything you give them that they can now do, it might be one thing is like giving them the world. <laughs> Jeez, now I can turn the light on, or I can open the door, or I can do this, or I can do that. There's all different types of people that come. So, it's hard to say which disability would use Tetra the most. Pretty much everyone does. Well, it's probably the best way, uh, having it across the spectrum. What's in yeah, the it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter to us what your, what your disability is. It's nice to know, like when you fill out your forms and stuff, it's nice to know. Well, that would also seem to have the advantage of uh, allowing for changing needs if the condition progresses and they might need something down the road. Right, and that, that's the stuff that I like because I can go out and redo something that I've done already. And usually it's a small change or I've had them where the project just didn't work or it just didn't work. And you go back to the drawing board and you start over until you get a project that does work. So so when you go to Tetra, you don't just go once. You can go as many times as you want. Um, once you're on the list, then you're allowed to call. And if you have another issue, then I'll go out again and I'll look at it again. Now, can you put can you put uh, a request out? I need volunteers. Like I usually have volunteers help me with projects. So I am on the lookout for people that might want to volunteer for the organization. So uh, where can people go to uh, sign up for that? They can go to Tetra's website again, and then just go to the Winter chapter. So yeah, so that's that's usually how people do it. It's tetrasociety.org. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. My friends, the truth is, in disability life, creativity is never to be underestimated. Whether it be someone's need to invent something new or to find a new way of participating in sport, the fact is a person with a disability is driven by necessity. The necessity of doing what they love, being a part of the community. I maintain that it's not just a right, but it is a duty of every person with a disability to be a part of what's going on out there. It's been said of people with disabilities that they can do anything anyone else can. Simply a question of how. Now, we as a society need to keep an open mind. If something doesn't exist yet, 
invented adds something to the substance of the landscape of disability life. If someone says, you couldn't do that because of your condition, it's up to you to prove whether it's possible. And I maintain, even if it proves challenging at first, or seemingly insurmountable, if you keep taking steps, if you keep making progress in that direction, eventually you'll achieve more than you ever thought yourself capable of. Jess Lewis said a while back that even though in her last attempt she didn't quite get a medal, she did beat her own best time, and she did improve. I so admire and respect that statement, and so much as we can't expect instant results. We can't say to the world, just because I have a disability, you have to change everything for me. Fact is, we are our own agents of change. With reason and with wisdom, with creativity, people with disabilities can pave the way to a better future. The truth is, a lot of people expect instant gratification. They want instant results. you got to remember, the quote-unquote able-bodied of society live in this world, too. And their needs are just as important. Therefore, by working together, we can arrive at a solution that works for everybody. The fact is, our communities are stronger as a united presence, not any group saying, I should be the only consideration. For people with disabilities, that does not mean they should be given less consideration by the same token. This has been HandyLink. I'm your host, Cam Wells, reminding you we're all equal. So get on out there and have yourselves a good one. Something tells me... You've earned it, folks. We'll see you next week.